But there is something that this gathering today offers us that I'm not so sure we're always aware of. And in a way, what it offers us is deliverance from our our self-referenced, pragmatic approach to the world sometimes. Because when we do what we do, there's something that happens that's a mystery. Church is a mystery in a very real way. See if you can pick up where that exists today. The membership covenant commitment by these who are now members of this local church and the global church. Our participation in the sacrament of communion whereby the gathered people gather around the sacred symbols of the life we find in Christ. And soon the baptism of two people who desire to declare the wonder of God's grace in their life. In some ways there's nothing more demonstrative of the life of a community of God's people than baptism. And in some ways, the psalm Pastor Leo read for us earlier, Psalm 133, offers us a beautiful portrait of what the Holy Spirit does in a community like this, simply drenching us with His presence. That's the image. That psalm, Psalm 133, was written for a group of people who had one thing in mind. They were going to worship God. It's a collection that's known as the Song of Ascents, and it was specifically used, specifically, for when they were walking up to the temple. And they would pull out a psalm like this, and they would start declaring it. This psalm points to the way God's people are bound together by their love of and covenant with God. Hear that. Where His people are bound together by their love of and covenant with God. Whenever we try to bind the church together with things outside of that, we miss it. So how appropriate for this day are these words from verse 3. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there even the Lord bestows His blessing, even life forevermore. The worshiping community is the community of believers who are washed by the water of baptism and drenched by the presence of the Holy Spirit. And it is the community drama of baptism that points to the covenant God The covenant that God has made with us through Jesus and our covenant with God through faith in Jesus. Fundamentally, baptism is not about us. It's about God and what God does and our response to what God does. But it is as the community of believers is joined by and with the life of God that this beautiful picture, this beautiful mystery begins to emerge, a mystery of refreshment and joy and blessing. Because here's the reality. This is the reality. We are all connected 
by the love of Christ. I love those words of verse 1. I love this psalm. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. Some of you are familiar with the name Dr. Paul Brand. Dr. Brand was a surgeon who worked with people who had leprosy. He had some pioneering discoveries of working with people with leprosy. He had a very keen understanding of their limitations, especially when it comes to pain. And in his book on pain, he talks about a physical phenomenon that's very unique, that we don't even think about. He said, each square inch of skin contains thousands of nerves for pain and cold and heat and touch, but not a single pleasure cell. Nature is not so prolific. Pleasure emerges as a byproduct, a mutual effort by many different cells working together in what he calls the ecstasy of community. And this is what he was talking about. He said that when organs work together, an enzyme soaks the nerves and the body experiences pleasure. But it takes the diversity of the body to work together. And that's most true of the amazing living organism that we call the church. Because the true church is not really an organization or a facility It is an organism that lives and breathes and whose parts are powerfully connected together. My intention is not to pick on the Kasaches. Maybe another sermon I'll pick on them. Every time I kept thinking about this, I kept going back to their wedding. And the meaning of that African word, mbutu. And Eddie will connect me on the pronunci- correct me on the pronunciation later, but mbutu. And this is what it means. I am because we are. See, we have a real problem with that sometimes in our country, in our culture. Because we're so determined to be individualistic. But this psalm is kind of talking about that. I am because we are. So you see, when these folks join the church today, it's just not a ritual. Just say, okay, well, you guys come join us. It's more than that. You see, they joined to us. Not just with us, but now to us. There's something that happens there. There's some, for lack of a better term, engrafting. That's the language Paul used for us. When we partook together of the sacrament of the Lord's Supper, this, this place changed. This became a family table where we came with our diversity and our differences, and they're in this congregation. And we gathered around the one whom we declare is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Thanks be to God. And when we baptize Judy and stand today, it symbolizes their connection to the people of God called the church of God. 
And every one of us today, every one of us gets to relive the moment when we were baptized into this same name and into these same people. We relive it. I go back in my mind to October 21st of 1981 in the Mediterranean Sea where the Reverend Joseph DiGiulio took me and baptized me in freezing cold water. Every baptism. Where do you go back to? The highest and the best, the true meaning of the living community that we're talking about, what's happening this morning, the highest and the best is found in this one verse. How good and pleasant it is for God's people to live, to dwell, to exist together in, community, in, in unity. Or as the translation we heard today, in peace. That word good is that beautiful Hebrew term tov. And it is used to describe the good character of God. It is the epitome of what goodness can be. And the idea of being pleasant, some translations use the word lovely. That word in its secondary meaning actually means to sweetly sing. So hear that. This community gathers and, 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 and the 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 best of what good can be emerges and there's this sweet song that comes out of the gathered community that cannot come out of anywhere else. And we need to listen for that in this unity. John Golden Gay said, the most spectacularly unanswered prayer in world history is the prayer of Jesus in John 17. For those who believe in me, that all of them may be one, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. He goes on and says, this devastates our witness as it removes goodness and loveliness. It surrenders God's joy and blessing when we live in division. We're losing something. That's how powerful this is when we have this goodness coming together, when we gather, when we're centered on the good character of God and this place of pleasantness, this lovely, sweet singing. And it is in this great unity that something else happens that just does not happen anywhere else. It's what makes this gathering here today different than a gathering of the Rotary Club of a couple hundred people at a banquet. It's what makes this different. We saw it in the psalm. and The reference to verse 3 is to Mount Hermon, which was a three-hour drive in our day from Jerusalem, about 10,000 feet in altitude. The thing it's noted for, one of the things it's noted for, and you hear it referenced throughout Scripture, Jesus references it in the Gospel of Mark. It's noted for its moisture. And it talks about the dew of Mount Hermon, but it's actually more like a mist, like a light rain. It's constant. And things flourish on the mountain, especially in the morning. It refreshes the vegetation in that climate every morning. Put that together and we discover that God's community is where God's presence is active. It is in the atmosphere of unity where God's presence bestows blessing. And that is why church is such a contact sport. 
and why that is so critical and why when we start separating from that context, it becomes harder to actually live this Christian life. And as we separate, as we lessen the tether to the church, I'm not talking about a building or even a gathering. I'm talking about the people you see around you today. It becomes easier to make distance, walk away, even from God. That's how important it is. It's a context board. That's why there's nothing virtual about church. There's no real such thing as virtual church. I'm grateful for our technology. Hello, folks out there. I'm grateful for our technology that we have. For there's some people that we know who we love deeply and dearly who cannot be here, but they're with us because of that. And there's other people who've made a choice to say, this is, I'm, I'm going to be comfortable with that. But here's what you're going to miss. You're going to miss laying hands on a sister who just needs the assurance of her people. And we miss having a pastor stare into your face as they're giving you the elements. And we're going to miss watching Stan and Judy get all wet. And watching seeing their faces. Yeah, we're going to see it online. There's some value in that. But you see, the church isn't a spectator sport. So, this is a powerful thing. Why? Because of the idea of critical mass. You understand, especially all you engineers, much better than I, critical mass, where a certain amount or number must be attained for a chain reaction to occur. So what is the critical mass for the kingdom of God, for the chain reaction of the presence of God? What is the critical mass? Well, Jesus answered that, for where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. <laughs> With the presence of Christ, two or three gathered can change the world. But without the presence of Christ, we can have 10,000 strong. It'll be cool. It'll be, we'll be pumped. We may we'll walk out inspired, but it really won't do anything if it's not really in the presence of Christ. It'll be only a big crowd or a big riot. <laughs> Let me... Go back to words I spoke just a couple weeks ago. The, these words from Matthew 28, I am with you every single day to the very end of the age. And as Dallas Willard said, God's presence is the whole story. This interaction between us and, and the God who is present with us always is what the resurrection is really about. The meaning of the resurrection isn't just that Jesus won. That is true. He is the victor. But it's not just that. It's that he is now living with us right now. That we need to remember that God is actually here. Why did Jesus say, do this in remembrance of me? God is actually here. I'm not just talking about good feelings or it's more than that. In the Middle East, a guest was anointed with oil as a sign of hospitality. Oil was used to rejuvenate the skin. The absence of oil was considered a sign of sadness. But the fullness of oil was considered a sign of joy. 
And oil is a symbol of God's presence and the anointing upon an activity or the life of a person. This is a picture of the blessing and power found in the presence of God in our midst. And oftentimes that presence works and we're not, e- we don't e- we're not even aware of it. But then somewhere down the road, we'll realize that's what God did. And there's something about a body of work. There's not a lot we get done in a moment. But a body of work over a lifetime, a life given to Jesus. Oh, there's going to be ups, there's going to be downs, there's going to be failures, there's going to be sins, there's going to be challenges, there's going to be frustrations, there's going to be all of this. And the the body of the work of a church that gathers in the name of Jesus, where the presence of Jesus reveals himself there, the only place where he can do that on earth is when people gather in his name according to him. With such power. Yes, he roams the earth. Yes, he is very present. But if you want to find a place where there's a magnifying glass with like, you know, the little sun dot. We had little magnifying glasses as kids. And I, we, my brother and I used to shine that little light on my sister's hands. Come on over here. See what this feels like. You know, and we would do that to them. And they remind us today we used to, that concentrated power. See, that church is like that. Something happens here that doesn't happen anywhere. Don't, don't think, though, that I'm saying that it's all about here. That's not what I'm saying at all. But his presence changes who we are as people when we gather and we come open to who he is as our God. So no wonder we ought to pray. Jesus, you are here, and I am with you. You see, this community is God's idea, and it is in unity that we discover the blessing of his presence and power in our lives. I think that's why as we baptize the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we need to remind one another, remember your baptism. Say that with me. Remember your baptism. Remember that, just right now. Remember your baptism. You see, our baptism reminds us of the Savior and His sacrificial grace. Our baptism identifies us with and proclaims His death and resurrection. Our baptism is a mark for all of us that it is only by God's gracious presence and power that we have life forevermore. Our baptism points us to the new reality of a new identity, a child of God, a new creation, a new life, a transformed life. Our baptism reminds us we are called, all of us, to be part of a new people, a new humanity, D.L. Trueblood called it, called the church. And the truth is, our baptism reminds us that there is more that unites us than divides us. So we gather in unity to declare the mystery of our faith and to celebrate the declaration of that faith, not only for those who are baptized today, but for all of us. So in a moment, we will embrace and engage baptism. But before we do that, let us recite together words that are 
anchor points for us as the people of God. Let us recite together the Apostles' Creed, which joins us all together in the unity of the Spirit by the bond of love in the power of Jesus' name. So let's stand together. And let's recite together. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. And everyone said, Amen. You may be seated. We stand on that creed as an anchor point of who we are as a people. Today, we have the privilege of being witnesses to the baptism of Judy Gentile and Stan Gaines. We want to invite them to declare their faith in Christ. Stan and Judy were both baptized as infants. Today they desire to affirm the grace of God found in even their first baptism, which is critical, and to renew again that testimony to God and to his church. So let's pray together. Now, Lord, we pray that you, by the power of your Spirit, would draw near to us as your people. For your water also reminds us of the living God who is among us. We'll give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. What do you think when these folks come, huh? Wow, man. We're, we're not going to experience anything as good as this anywhere. But when people say, I just want the world to know, and the gathered church does, and you know, you're 91 and, and you say, I want to live the rest of my life. I'm 63. I want to live the rest of my life. And that's what today's about. So, remember your baptism. Let's stand together.